0: Kuya, over the course of the last few episodes this month, we've been talking about actions that we take to take care of communities that we either identify with or communities that we care about.
1: Yes. And in our first part of this four-part collection on social justice, where we've been focusing on community care, we've talked about how providing care to communities in need really allows members of those communities to eventually then take care of themselves.
0: It's sort of like how we discuss like our daily choices or conscious constructive feedback can be ways of providing care to those in need. I'm sort of getting the idea that community care is really focused on how any action can be taken so long as it tries to improve the lives of those who belong to those communities that may be in need of this extra care.
1: Yes, so providing much needed support is really an important emphasis to community care. And a precondition, I would say, to even providing community care to those who are in need of it is having knowledge of the inequity,
0: oppression, or bias that people face. I agree. You know, since the Black Lives Matter movement came forward, I think I wanted to find myself or I found myself wanting to educate myself more, reading more, learning more. Mm,
1: yeah, I remember you coming to me and wanting to really understand and learn more about the issues and why they exist and why progress in some ways has been sometimes slow.
0: So would you like consider the Black Lives Matter movement, that is a form of community care, right?
1: Mm, yeah, most definitely, absolutely. That type of organizing is definitely a form of community care. So-
0: what do you mean when you say organizing?
1: Mm, really good question. Organizing is collectively taking action mm-hmm. with the aim of making political and social difference. Oh. You know, So the Black Lives Matter movement is one example. The hashtag Me Too movement is another example. Mm-hmm. All of these movements took grassroots organizing efforts. And I would consider these organizing efforts a form of community care.
0: Hey, you know, I, I never really thought about it that way. Can we talk more about this in our current episode coming up? Yes, let's do that. All right. Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa.
1: And I'm Jazzy, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Hollow Hollow podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to... Acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River.
0: And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Ishtabeg people. So, Kuyat, tell us more about organizing.
1: Mm. Essentially, organizing is a form of political or industrial action, and it's a way of lending your voice and thoughts to others who also share a common cause with us. And what ends up happening is is that it creates a collective consciousness or collective choir of sorts. And when we unite our voices with others and have solidarity with them on those same issues, Mm -hmm. the community action that's taken as a whole can take on power within communities, politics, and even governments for that matter.
0: Yeah. So I can see how the Black Lives Matter movement or the Hashtag Me Too movement is a form of organizing. So both movements have a lot of people showing their solidarity and demanding change for justice. Now, are there other ways of organizing?
1: Yeah, there are other ways of organizing, and I think probably the most simplest is just voting. That's you know, big. voting is yeah. This, yeah, you know, like that is a very understandable democratic way. Again, of adding your voice to the collective voices out there, mm-hmm. but. What it means about voting is, is is, that we need to make an informed choice and in educating ourselves on the platform of leaders. Now, no party or leader is going to be able to stand for everything <laughs> yeah. that you stand for, but you know, you can still make informed decisions and knowing what their track records are is really key to that. You know, and if you're not aware of how to vote or who to vote for, sometimes it's actually helpful to talk to a super voter that you trust and respect. And I remember a long time ago, I think it was the New York Times that had talked about this. They spoke about how Democrats were targeting super voters. And super voters were individuals that if you convince them to vote for you, they would also convince 30 people within their networks to do the same. Oh. Simply because in those networks, they had such an influence that people would vote whoever they thought the super voter was voting for. So I've got my own example of that. I know that every time elections come up, my family just asks me who do you think we should be voting for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's because they know that I keep do the research track of the issues. Right. Yeah, I do the research. I do find out who's saying what, why are they saying it? What's the platform? Should we be voting for somebody else? Whatever the case may be. I know even my parents kind of come down and say, you know, who do you think we should vote for? My mom will ask me what I think. I'll tell her, you know, what I think. She usually agrees with what I have to say. And then my dad hears what I have to say, but never tells us how how he votes. And of course That's he's cool. he's entitled to that <laughs> privacy as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> But I do know that, you know, I've got cousins that and family members that do pay attention to how I vote and then they ask me how I vote. So if you might not be so aware or understand all the issues, sometimes finding a super voter in your area that knows the issues is sometimes a way to kind of do this. The other is in terms of voting, talk to others about political and social issues and hear what they have to think. And I know, Sigs, you and I do this oh, all yeah. the time. It's like, you know, we talk about politics. It's, you know, it's so, so funny
0: and I think someone had asked about adulting being an adult or whatever I know when like we have it's time for us to vote my wife and I are like we gotta pick up a paper we have to figure out you know what people are standing for and what we need to know and I think mm-hmm. what's even more poignant Kuya and I know you, you probably touched on this we live in a country where we have the right to vote we have right. We as soon as we turn 18 we need to go out there and we have a choice a say in our government And not very many. And there are countries out there currently in 2022 that they don't have this. Would we say privilege, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would call it a privilege. And if you look at the democracy index, you know, of course, Canada is really high. And I know that we had talked about this in a very previous episode, that if you look at the Philippines, like Uh the Philippines isn't so high in terms of the democracy index because it's subject. Some of these democratic systems are subject to some type of bias or some type of favoritism in some way, shape or form. And I know that we had talked about that in the past. And sometimes it's hard to get good information on leaders and stuff like that. So for example, today I was talking to my parents about the Philippine election and I was saying, well, what do you think of the fact that, Mm -hmm. you know, Marcos is getting 60% of the vote, or at least that's what they say in the polling results. And my mom was very quick and she said, you know, Anak, the fact that it's 60% of the vote, you have to ask yourself who's actually running the polls. And she said to me Ah. flat out, I think that those are fake polls because when I see some of the rallies who her favorite candidate is... (laughs) Isco (laughs) Moreno, is who she seems to want to vote for. And I encouraged my mom. I said, mom, you should go to the Philippine embassy here in Toronto and register like our friend Monica did so that she can vote. So I think my dad and and my mom are thinking of going and actually registering if they haven't passed the deadlines for it. I think they passed the deadlines, but, you know, maybe they can find that out. But either way, you need to be kind of aware. You need to kind of talk. (sighs) You need to find out those issues and stuff like that. I think another way of organizing and organizing your voice with others is actually talking and writing to elected officials about the political or social justice issue that is meaningful to you. You know, and I think we sometimes think that writing to them or even to the newspaper or to media outlets that will, traditional media outlets, we think that they won't necessarily make a difference, but you never know how an opinion Mm -hmm. letter might actually be published and could actually take on some traction. It's not just kind of getting something on social media and it becoming viral that you have some cause and effect. Sometimes you can have like really more interesting effects when you've got the ears of leaders or leaders that are actually paying attention. Right. You know, another way of organizing is joining an organizational committee or council in your community. So if you have the time Mm -hmm. and the inclination, you know, you can belong to a union or consider being a worker representative. So certainly that I've done that. Or sometimes it's like joining the PTA, and being part of that, or if you live in a condominium community, it could be joining your condominium board or running for a position within, uh-huh. you know, within any of these organizations. So, so, Siggs, I don't know if you've done anything like this. I know that Emily is part of some of these organizations. Yes, it's true. Um, yeah,
0: previously at a previous job, part of our union was creating a they had like facilitators for creating a harassment free workplace. And I was involved Mm. with that. I was a facilitator and it was mandated through our union. And we would provide fantastic like training sessions um, creating a harassment-free workplace, and it was because of our union that we created it. We wow. got to go out there. I, right. I that was a great opportunity. I thought it was very interesting, and I had a great time learning a lot about our rights and how to foster like positive environment, work environments, and stuff. So I sort of I, I liked being part of that, I, and I felt that it was a sense of like being part of like some sort of community care for the agency I previously worked at. So yeah,
1: yeah, for your workplace mm-hmm. community, mm-hmm. and so and that's a valid community to support and take care of. And isn't it amazing that when you add your voice to the chorus, you feel part of a greater whole or, you know, you
0: p- feel part of that mission, don't you? Oh,
1: absolutely. And
0: like previously, previ- like a job previous to the job that I have right now, the agency mm-hmm. that I work for, like a public service agency, they were doing things to talk about anti racism in the workplace, mm. they had focus wow. groups and they're changing policy, Kuya, like policy yeah. that's lasted in legislation to, to affect it. And like, really talking about do you have bias when assessing reports and stuff? Like, really mm. taking it there. It was nice to see having those uncomfortable conversations. And even recently, from the, the job that I'm at, we had discussions mm-hmm. about Indigenous culture and like it was being brought mm. in. Like, it was good to see that at the workplace and that we're talking about like these current issues and people. Are taking a part, a big part of being representatives to share and provide information and I guess really educating people. So
1: yeah, educating and changing Changing, right? changing yes. people's ideas and stuff like that and changing culture and changing to a place where you're supporting cultures and essentially providing community care in yeah. that way. And so, yeah, you just feel good because you're doing something I think is meaningful. Mm-hmm. Another way of organizing is attending. You know, right. attending, and I mean like it could be attending town hall meetings, attending forums, attending demonstrations, attending rallies or protests, right? Mm-hmm. So those Black Lives Matter movements that we talked about before or the hashtag Me Too movements, whether there have been protests, those are forms of political action and organizing. And I think sometimes just attendance, just seeing numbers, right. I think makes political leaders think Twice about these things. When we started to see hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people participating in the Black Lives Matter movement, oh, yeah. right? like what kind of impression that, that then created talk amongst everybody? It raised awareness. So, you know, not only are you adding your voice, you're adding your presence, is another form of organizing. I think another form of organizing, SIGs, is, and I think we've seen this yes. through those two movements mm-hmm. at least, is sharing information on social media. And in as much as social media has created chaos through that sharing of disinformation, I think sometimes social media has been a great tool for raising consciousness on a bunch of different issues and providing information on how to attend or how to show up for others or just tidbits of self-care or tidbits of interrupting aggression or micro insults or biased comments or whatever might be happening in the media. I don't know if you've, you've got anything to add on that or not.
0: It's social media. It's so interesting. Like I follow the Ontario Canada project, which usually it began as more of like a COVID-19 sharing information mm-hmm. and it sort of evolved into this. And mm. I just want to, I'm just going to pull it up because I just thought it was really, really great. And it's just basically mobilizing millennials and Gen Z's to create equitable evidence and form change. And what mm. they're doing is just they harness yeah. the combined potential of young people, volunteerism, and social media to broadly disseminate credible information that is critical, conversational, and compassionate. At the beginning, they're giving mm. us information about COVID nineteen, but if you follow them on Instagram at On Canada Project, they have information about whether it's Indigenous culture, the only way to actually heal in mm. Canada to decolonize. It's not just right. co- it's just little tidbits, you know, Black women that should be in our history textbooks are their posts, right? Mm. The Canadian Black women that we should shed light on, it's just, not just COVID-19, they've really stretched beyond and encouraging people and sharing this type of information. This Mm. isn't this is legit stuff you know not a wikipedia page these are people doing the research and really giving the information for people to vote to join organizational communities to have a reason why this is important and how does it reach us people whether it's millennials gen xers and gen z's to be like why is this important why is this being talked in the media and just in a simple way like maybe you want to know more about what's going on with the indigenous cultures and the horrible things mm. that have been happening and what can we do to support right they, they make it really right. palatable and it, it's quite helpful and and there are resources out there that are at our fingertips
1: yeah so you'll have to put that in the show notes and what I find really interesting is is that then you can take that or anyone can take that and retweet it and share it to your own network so that then they can get educated and again have some type of action that creates change that takes care of a community at the end of the day Mm -hmm. that's a great resource sig so I can't wait for us to kind of put that in our show notes Mm -hmm. you know accompanying this episode I think two other ways that I think of in terms of organizing, again, being able to add your voice or your presence to a collection of people or collective is sometimes signing online as well as hard copy petitions out there. I think these days we see like GoFundMe, (laughs) you know, as a typical example of that, Mm. that tends to kind of take on a life of its own and can sometimes represent some social justice causes. But I think, you know, like there are online petitions and I think, again, seeing thousands and thousands and thousands of petitions could actually make a difference and could sway decision makers in our governments and in institutions from maybe thinking differently about a particular issue. Uh And then the other, and you and I talk about this all the time too, is like donations to campaign, Right. right? So in this case, your voice is actually through the form of financial support. And I was just thinking about the last time that I was in the Philippines with my parents, that's what they did. Like they were supporting, you know, the mayor of Manila (laughs) and how they really believed in some of his social justice projects that they were, that he's embarking upon in Manila. And they donated, they donated a sizable piece of money. And I was like, that's so great because they were really trying to give voice to the belief in his projects in the Philippines at that time. And that continues to have a legacy to this day.
0: I was just going to say... From our, just our discussion, for myself and the listeners, like what are some good tips about like, this topic of organizing, things for us to think about when we do this?
1: Yeah, good question. And I think in terms of like things to think about in terms of organizing, <laughs> we have to think about, if you will, what I call preconditions. Okay. So to organize around an issue, you need to find one that's meaningful to you. So, right. you know, important to ask yourself what's important to you, what's important to your friends, what's important to your family, what's important to your colleagues and to the community at large. And those issues could be political mm-hmm. issues, social issues, labor issues. Whatever those issues mm-hmm. are, choose an issue, again, that's meaningful for you. And that's something that you would make a life of it in some ways. Okay. Meaning that this is something that you're going to commit to and stay up to date on and be aware of constantly. And that this isn't just going to be like a one-time donation that you're going to make. Yeah, or a flavor of the week, or we've talked about this before, being a clicktivist, you know, a one-time participator. So refrain from doing all of those things and instead really stay committed. And Mm -hmm. so in terms of staying up to date and aware of the issues, I would say you got to really scrutinize the information that you find out there and really become social media literate. And I never thought about kind of thinking about needing to be or needing to have literacy with respect to social media. But again, really thinking about where is this information coming from? Right. Can I trust this information? The information that I got, was it fact-checked or not? Important to, again, you know, look at that information and figure out if I can rely on it because that's what you would be basing your social justice on or your, your issue that you're wanting to support. The other is really participating according to your resources and skills. Like, we can't actually be involved in every social justice movement that's out there, right? Mm. That's not to say that it isn't important, but, you know, I think to keep our own sanity and to keep our own resources in check, because we have our own lives to live. Again, it's important to participate according to whatever resources and skills that you have. At the end of the day, we don't have to attend all protest rallies, right? Mm. (laughs) And so... I mean, you know, you, you could make a full-time job out of it, I think, in, in some ways. So for us, I know, SIGS, our form of community care and organizing is really around Filipinos in the diaspora. That's, right. That's really what we choose to support and why we take the time to do this labor of love and this form of community care and why we do this podcast. That's right. so. So Sigs, I think that that takes us to the fixing of the week, right? Which really relates back to your question of kind of like, how do we go about, you know, organizing as a form of community care? And I think it really takes the first step, Mm -hmm. which means find and research an issue that's meaningful to you and then
0: stay committed to it and make it a lifelong enterprise. So anything to add? No, I think that's a great fixing of the week. And this, this is some great information. And we'll make sure that we have a lot of that information in our show notes. Mm-hmm. If you have any questions, comments, concerns for this lovely month of February for the episodes that we dropped on social justice, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at mm-hmm. Holhopo at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, our handles at hollow hollow pop. and we are on Instagram at Holohapo
1: Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Chel Rigan. and we'll see all of you guys again real soon.
0: We'll see you guys in March.